Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we wrap up our NFC North crossover series with Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. But first, Sean Murphy Bunting had a virtual press conference with the media where he discussed where the defense needs to improve. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. I am James Yarko. David Harrison has the day off, so unfortunately for all of you, you're stuck with me. But please check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks and at Bucks underscore nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is Sean Murphy Bunting heading into his second season, address the media through a virtual press conference and answer some questions about what he's been doing this offseason, what the team needs to do to improve in his second year, and what was going on with the jersey number. But most importantly, it was about what he saw from his defense in the second half of the season and what he needs to do to take that next step forward in 2020. Oh yeah. Um, definitely keep improving. De- definitely keep, you know, making steps, but um, we definitely need more turnovers. Um, and that's kind of what, what we need to, to, to make our secondary known for is creating turnovers and getting interceptions. We had a lot of plays where um, we were in position to make the play and we didn't, or we, we broke the pass up. And I mean, obviously those things are, are always good, but at the end of the day, we all want to be great. And so turning some of those PBUs into interceptions and, and turning those interceptions into, you know, pick sixes, it, it makes a big difference in a game. Um, and it makes a big difference in a season. So that's kind of what we're striving to do is create more turnovers and, and just be that savvy secondary that, um, you know, the Bucks should be known for. Um, definitely want to improve on just being consistent uh, and more consistent early on. I know at the beginning of the year, obviously just being a rookie, being young, I had a lot of the things I had to adapt to, um, whether it's just the speed of the game or just the nature of it, or just understanding route concepts and recognizing formations, stuff like that. And so um, that's what I've kind of been doing this entire offseason. I've been watching a lot of film and kind of mainly um, kind of believing and trusting what I see and making sure that what I see is, is, is what I see, you know. And um, as far as inside-outside goes, I mean, I can take, you know, I can learn things from, from playing inside or playing outside, and they can translate, you know, back and forth to one another. But um, for the most part, it's just the technique part of it just really understanding the game of football and understanding what a quarterback and what a team is trying to do when you're in certain, you know, certain, um, You know, you you take a look at the defense from last year, and they started off pretty rough. If you look at the total 2019 defensive numbers, the Buccaneers don't look great. That's just kind of how it is. But they were off to such a rocky start and kind of fell behind the eight ball so early on that those numbers are a little bit deceiving. As you all well know, this team in the second half of the year had a top 10 defense, even top 5 defense defense and a lot of that had to do with the growth of players like Sean Murphy Bunting, like Jamel Dean, the improved pass rush with the addition of Shaq Barrett, the return of Jason Pierre-Paul, and that's why as David and I have talked about, you know, Bruce Arians really stressed the importance of retaining that front seven and Sean Murphy Bunting even spoke later on about 
the confidence of that secondary unit, uh, more specifically the corners, the confidence that, that he and Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis have because they didn't add anybody new to that position. You know, they, they're confident in their abilities and they know the coaches are confident in their abilities. They're heading into the second year in this Todd Bowles defense and they feel they can get the job done. And, and Sean Murphy Bunting stressed the importance of being able to watch film and not only watch film, but understand what he's watching. And he said once he start to under once he started to understand what the opposing offenses were doing, what the opposing quarterbacks were doing, he was able to start doing things in his game to deceive opposing quarterbacks and to create plays for himself, whether that's pass breakups or interceptions. And he even he stressed the point, as you heard, that they have to turn those pass breakups into interceptions. And that's what this defense needs to be known for. So it's imperative that this secondary continues to improve and continues on that upward trajectory that they showed at the end of 2019 and start to create some of those opportunities because that is going to make this a complete team. You added Tom Brady and you added Rob Gronkowski and you added Tristan Wirfs and Joe Haig to the offensive side of the ball, but it's going to be on the defense going up against Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan and Teddy Bridgewater and all of these great quarterbacks that are on this schedule coming up in 2020. It's about the defense doing their job as well. We know the offense can put up points. We know the offense has playmakers. We know that it has pro bowlers and all pro caliber players. This young secondary has to be able to get their job done and has to be able to contain the likes of Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones through a grueling schedule that faces off against the AFC West and the NFC North. If they revert back to the way that they played the beginning of last year, it could be a long, disappointing season for the Buccaneers where they're having to climb uphill the second half of the year and and battle it out to the very bitter end for a possible playoff spot. Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean took giant leaps forward in the last eight games of the 2019 season, and it's all about them continuing to improve and create plays. Coming up next, I am joined by Locked On Lions host Matt Derry to round out our NFC North crossover series. But first, you know I got to talk to you guys about Built Bar, right? Built Bar is the best protein bar out on the market right now, and you guys have got to get in on this. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There's 16 amazing flavors, and they just unveiled that they are returning the dark chocolate cookie dough flavor. Uh, yum. Absolutely delicious. I haven't even tried it, but I can already tell you that it's going to be outstanding. They have eight chocolate and nut flavors. They have eight chocolate and nut-free flavors. And the nut-free are even made in a completely separate area than the ones with nuts. So there's no worry for cross-contamination for anyone with any allergy issues. All the bars are covered 100% in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. I throw mine in the refrigerator. David is a big fan of throwing his in the freezer. They're absolutely outstanding. My favorite flavor, officially, peanut butter brownie. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. 
head over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you will get $10 off your first order. While you're there, sign up for the rewards program. I got 25 rewards points just for following them on Instagram at I'm Built. Follow them on Twitter at bar underscore built and make sure that you are using promo code locked on at checkout for $10 off your first order at builtbar.com. All right, continuing on with our NFC North crossover week, we're going to wrap things up here with the Detroit Lions. Matt Derry of Locked On Lions joining me. And Matt, first off, we have to talk about Matthew Stafford, and I'm sure you've been asked a thousand times, but these back injuries have been pretty debilitating over the past few seasons. What can people expect from Matthew Stafford this year? Is this an issue that's never really going to go away? So it's a matter of Matt playing through the pain, or do you feel that the amount of time that he's had off now has allowed him to return to hundred percent? I mean, the, the team is saying he's hundred uh, percent. He'll be on a zoom call with the media tomorrow. We'll see what he has to say about that. Um, excuse me. Um, Friday, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I think he's fine. And, you know, funny, James, you're the first one to ask me this week about his health. Everybody else is like, oh, I like these trade rumors. First of all, let, let's, let's clear this up. He's not going anywhere. Um, you know, he's got three years left on his deal. Yes, after this season, it would be easier to move him. But if the Lions weren't going to trade him now and, and, and draft his replacement, which they were in prime position to do at number three and take it to a – or take a Justin Herbert, they're probably never doing it. Uh, unless he comes out and just stinks up the joint and they blow this whole thing up and Patricia and Quinn, Matt Patricia, Coach Bob Quinn, the general manager, are gone. I don't see that happening. From a health standpoint, yes, last two years have ended prematurely for him with the back. He says he's 100%. The team says he's 100%. Nobody works harder to get themselves into shape. He's been pretty durable leading up to 2018. Um, but I'm a true believer that he'll be back and ready to go. And and we'll actually play very well next year. There was a lot of off-season drama surrounding the Lions and cornerback Darius Slay, who was sent yeah. off to Philadelphia for a couple of draft picks, a third and a fifth. He's one of the best corners in the league. So what kind of a drop-off, if any, now that they have addressed the cornerback in a couple of different ways, what kind of drop-off are you expecting from the departure of Darius Slay? Oh, I don't think there's any question there's going to be a drop-off. I mean, you're talking about a Pro Bowl corner who even last year would tell you didn't play his best football, yet made the team, and has now been a Pro Bowler three times, back-to-back years the last two years on two very bad teams, a six-win team in 2018, and then last year's a disastrous 3-12-1 outfit. So, you know, I think Darius went from, I love it here, I want to retire here, Detroit's my home. I'm here all, all year round. You see him running, walking around Somerset Mall. Well, used to see him walking around the mall when we were allowed in malls, right, James? Um, <laughs> and and he, was a, he was a Detroit guy through and through. He was showing up at high school basketball games in the wintertime when you know, guys in January and February are back in Arizona or Florida. Darius was hanging around here. He loved it here. Um, but you got to see things start to sour during the season when his very good friend Quandre Diggs was traded to Seattle for really no reason. Uh, that was his safety and kind of his road dog back there. Um, and, and, and things kind of turned a little bit on social media. There's one thing with the Lions and Bob Quinn. 
they're the Patriot Way guys. So if guys are popping off on Twitter, you want to get out of town, you want to you want to get out of your contract. Best way to do it is to start popping off on social. What Darius did to an extent, and it led to you know a couple of you know overly dramatic posts and stuff about the past, and and next thing you know, he's gone, and he was traded to the Eagles for a third and a fifth. I like what they what they've done in picking up Desmond Trufant and drafting Jeffrey Okuda, but I don't think either guy will be Darius Slay in 2020. Uh, Darius is a really good football player, but the combination of Trufant and Okuda, Justin Coleman in the slot, they should have three pretty darn good corners there, and they they can only make their coverage units better because against the pass the last couple of years outside of Slay, it's not been very good. Taking a look at at the Lions' free agency period, they've had a total of you know both incoming and outgoing players of about twenty four moves. Which of these moves, you know, if if you want to pick a couple, maybe one one player that came in, one player that left to go elsewhere, which of these are going to have the biggest impact on the Lions for the twenty twenty season? That's a good question. Um... Well, I think they're hoping the biggest impact will be Jamie Collins coming over from New England. Obviously, the Patriot ties. Lions have done a lot of you know, shopping at the, uh, at the ex-Patriot Walmart, whether it's Collins, whether it's Danny Shelton, whether it's trading for Deron Harmon. Uh, they've picked up a lot of former New England guys. Collins should have the biggest impact. An edge guy that can play all over the field, can get to the quarterback on the edge but also can be a linebacker that can rove around and, and, and do a lot of different things. Lions linebacking core is not very good. So he should have the biggest impact. As far as somebody leaving, you know, Graham Glasgow has been a very popular guy in the locker room, was a starting right guard or center for the last you know, four or five years, and they let him walk for nothing. Uh, you know, went to Denver, signed a four-year, $44 million deal. Right now his replacement most likely would be a rookie in Jonah Jackson that they took in the third round, traded up to get. I think Jackson's going to be good, but you know if Jackson struggles, they're not real deep at guard, and what happens there? I think I think sometimes it's a be care be careful what you wish for, you might get it type of thing. They wouldn't pay Glasgow, uh, yet they're you know they they spent ten million on his uh, on a right tackle in, in Big V Vitae from the Eagles. So the O line hopefully should be better, but I think they think they'll miss Glasgow, especially in the locker room. Talking to Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. You can follow him on Twitter at Derry Speaks. That's D-E-R-Y. And, uh, Matt, let's go ahead and dive into the draft a little bit. The Lions, as you mentioned earlier, of course, came away with the top corner prospect in Jeffrey Okuda. But they also landed a superstar running back in DeAndre Swift out of Georgia to pair up with one of my favorite running backs in the NFL, Carryon Johnson. How do you feel this tandem is going to work out? And is this a situation where you could see probably somewhere in the first half of the season that DeAndre Swift is going to take over that starting job and, and kind of relegate on Johnson to that secondary back role? I don't know. You know, I think they look at this as a thunder and lightning type of situation. I think they look at these teams that are in the playoffs that have two running backs, you know, whether it was Baltimore, you know, the list goes on and on with teams that have depth so the Patriots had trotted out in their very good years, you know, three, four guys at once, whether it was Falk, whether it was Burkhead, Sony, Michelle, they didn't really have that one guy. And I think the Lions were hoping that carry on Johnson was the one guy over the last two years when they took him, traded up to get him in the second round from Auburn. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, James. And, uh, 
So when he's out, that just is, there's just a huge drop off. Now, Bo Scarborough came out of nowhere last year as an undrafted guy from Bama and looked pretty decent. But I think they're looking at DeAndre Swift and going, wait a minute, we're at 35. So we're in the third pick of the second round after Thursday's first round was done. I think Bob Quinn went to bed Thursday night going, there's no way DeAndre Swift's going to be there. There's no way he's still there. Wait a minute. And he pinched himself, then went, okay, here's Cincy. Here's Indy. They don't necessarily need running backs just yet. Um, they're both looking at wide receivers, so we might get this kid. And they had him earmarked for that third pick in the second round, thinking there's no way he was going to be there. And he was. So they're really happy about that. And you pair him with carry on, and I don't know if they're going to be out there together, but you know, there's that chance that Swift could be in the slot a little bit. And uh, I, I think they love having a one-two punch, but they know full well if Johnson gets hurt, which he has the first two years of his career and was hurt at Auburn, They've got that one guy in Swift that might be able to carry the mail the whole time. Let's move beyond the big two names in Akuda and Swift and dive a little bit deeper into the draft class. The Lions had a total of nine picks. Now, again, eliminating those first two, who was your favorite pick of the draft that Bucks fans may not be familiar with, but he's going to be a big impact guy for the 2020 season? Uh, I think there's just that all of them have to contribute um, right away. You know, Okuda and Swift, Julian Okwara, the third round pick, got to get to the quarterback. He's got to do it. Uh, I like the fact that this team, like I said before about Glasgow and the O-line, I, I could take some shots at Bob Quinn and say, I'm not sure why they just let him walk. But the two guards that they did get, Jonah Jackson in the third and Logan Stenberg from Kentucky in the fourth, you might have two you know, linchpin, guard, nasty type guys that you can start right away. And that would be just a, a breath of fresh air because the Lions is, you know, the old line's been fine for years. It's always been decent with pass protection. Stafford's been upright for the most part. But when it comes to run blocking, they just don't move people. There's not a lot of road graders there. I think Frank Ragnow, now entering year three at center, could, could, could be a potential pro bowler. Uh, Taylor Decker in a contract year at left tackle. Move bodies, you know, do your, do, your, do your thing. But these two guards, Stenberg and Jackson, what if they're really good? That would really open up that offense and that ground game to where Stafford wouldn't have to carry the load all the time and, and bail this team out in high-scoring games. So I, 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 like, I kind of like that, that, that you might have two hogs there found in the third and fourth rounds that uh, can make a difference. Just a few more as we kind of wrap up the, uh, the crossover series here. The general thoughts – uh, around the NFC North is that it's Green Bay and then everyone else. And, and of course, you know, we had locked on Packers on yesterday, and that's certainly the, uh, the thought process over there. So even though the Vikings have had some recent success and the Bears still have a, a pretty fearsome defense, where do you think the Lions stack up within this division? Um, you know, I, I mean, they better win. <laughs> it's year five of your general manager and year three of your coach. And this was the coach that was supposed to be brought in to elevate you from nine and seven, which is what Jim Caldwell had them back-to-back -back years, including one year in the playoffs. And, and now they, they have nine wins in two years. So I know the division's good. The Vikings are, are to me, the best team. Green Bay's draft was, was a dumpster fire. I don't know what they're doing. Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the Bears had a bad year last year, yet still won eight games and still have a very good defense. And, and I like their identity. But why can't the Lions, with their schedule, 
Albeit that's going to be a very difficult game in week 16 against Tampa, but you know, why not with their schedule and some, some cupcake road games? Why can't they make some hay? There is some talent on this roster. Go win. Uh, you know, if you're Patricia and you're supposed to be this defensive guru, get this defense from 31 down to 13 or 12 and make them viable. Uh, coach these guys up. They seem to have thrown uh, a lot of guys off the side of the boat here that they thought were problem children. You know, whether, whether it was Diggs, whether it was Slay, uh, whether it was Glasgow, who's far from a problem child, but Graham was was buddy-buddy with the media. Maybe they didn't like that. Snacks Harrison, another guy. Didn't want to be here anymore. Get him out, and he's out. So if you've got all your guys here that you think are on board with Patricia, go win. So, yeah, I know the, the win total over under in Vegas is six and a half, but why can't why shouldn't this football team with the talent that it has and if Stafford can stay healthy and a very good Kenny Galladay at receiver, why not go out and win nine, ten games and surprise some people? I I I think it's I think it's time. All right. Well, Matt, the last one I have for you, and you kind of mentioned it there. What should Buccaneers fans expect from this Lions squad when the two are matched up in week 16? Uh oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that game should be. And I don't know if there's going to be fans in the stands with coronavirus and with the COVID policies and who knows what's going to happen. But let's say we get back to normalcy in November or December. That game should be a prime time, moved to prime time. Tampa going for the division or already maybe seeding. The Lions going for a playoff spot and, and the place is rocking. That's the hope um, because this fan base is starving for a winner. There is some talent. I'd be the first to tell you, everyone's going to pick them to finish last. I know that. But I look up at, at, at the draft and some of the free agency. I didn't love the whole free agency, but there's some talent there. The offense should be really good, really good. So hopefully that Saturday, late, you know, or that, that late December game is, is one where the Lions need it and have back-to-back home games with Tampa and Minnesota and the crowd's into it and, and they're playing for something. A big thank you once again to Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. You can check out everything he's doing on Twitter at Locked On Lions and at Derry Speaks. That's D-E-R-Y Speaks on Twitter. As for me, I'm out of here, folks. Please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks. Follow David at DH82 underscore Bucks and at Bucks underscore Nation. If all goes according to plan, we are going to round out the non-divisional crossover series tomorrow by speaking with Locked On Rams and Locked On Giants to round out the Buccaneers schedule. So hopefully we can bring you those tomorrow. But if not, I'm sure David and I will have plenty to discuss. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks.